Hey guys, you're currently tuned in to part two of my trip to Mauritania. Part two is actually where things got horribly, horribly worse. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, how could things get even worse from part one, you know, crossing the border and the whole fiasco, but things actually got horribly worse in Mauritania. So (laughs) I hope you like it. And thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you for listening. Right, so I crossed the border. All good. Well, all good once I crossed the border and I got into the country. Once I got into the country, I thought that everything was going to be better than what I experienced at the border. You know, with my passport and all of that. Total bullshit. So... Once I was in the country, I thought, well, yay, I had the feeling of being in a new place, which is awesome. There's no feeling better than being in a new place for me. The excitement, the curiosity, it all bubbles up. So I was there and I didn't know this. Mauritania is a place where you could be walking around, you know, where the houses are. And the houses are huge. I mean, in the capital city, the houses are huge because... Africans build big, in my opinion. They build really big because they own the land. If you own land, you're not going to build some small house, right? You're just going to build some big-ass house. So the houses are pretty big where I was staying. But outside of the houses, you'll see tents. Tents like you'll see in Skid Row. Just tents. Tents that can fit four people kind of tents. Or you see like sticks with this kind of gazebo kind of layout. Like a sheet over it, but like water-resistant. Held up by stilts. So you see those, it's pretty much, it's just normal. Well, normal is different to everybody, isn't it? So the architecture is a Mediterranean style, I'd like to say. If you picture how Greek houses would be, just single houses, it's kind of like that. Not colourful, it's just kind of that sandy, browny colour. And inside they're pretty big as well. It's a nice layout. There's always two living rooms and all of that. They have multiple floors. So the houses are either two-storey or three-storey houses and a decent-sized kitchen. It's pretty spacious inside and it's pretty nice. They are pretty, pretty nice. And like I said, because most of the people own their land in Africa, and I'm not talking about small villages or anything like that. I'm just talking about most of the people that are in the bigger cities, okay? And they usually have big families. So, you know, I took a walk around the neighbourhood and I'm looking at the houses and I start to notice that there's a tent outside of every house, every single house. And I'm like, what is this? So I asked somebody, you know, what's going on? I mean, it kind of ruins the image of the house as well because you got this house there and then someone's camping out your house. It's a bit strange to me, you know? So you take a peek in to the tent to see who's in the tent and you see these families, darker skinned, living in the tents with children, husband, wife, and two children, let's say. They're just living in one tent. They live there, okay? What they're doing is they're serving the African Arab family who owns the house behind them. They're serving them. They don't get paid. There's no payment involved. They're just serving them. So for example, the guy would be the security guard for the house. The woman might be the cook, the cleaner, childminder, whatever, the kids, they're put to work somehow they might have to go to the store or something like that little things but they are servants in essence to this african arab who's living right behind them in their big ass house and you know why i asked somebody i asked a local mauritanian and what he said to me was i think it's a country that doesn't advertise itself most of people doesn't know 
about it. Mauritania have a very good location in West Africa and very close to Europe and the Western world, which make it very good for tourism. We have a very good landscapes. People know only about desert, but it's not only desert in Mauritania, right? <laughs> there are many different places, many different landscapes like mountains, beautiful beaches, cool places like Mwadibu. It's always a little bit cold. It's not hot, as I can say. It can get hot, it can get cold in some places, in some periods. Like if you go to Shingiti by December or January, it can be very cold. Anyway, Mauritania also have a very good diversity. We are very different people, different cultures. Our people, Wolof, Fula, Soninke, different cultures that can be a very good diversity and could be a very good thing, but suddenly we don't use it and we don't use our landscapes also for tourism. When I introduce myself as a Mauritanian, I always get lots of questions like slavery, women's education, and also religion. Mauritania is a very complicated country when it comes to religion and culture. We are very divided. Arabs people have more than 50 tribes and every tribe think they are better than others. And Arabs think they are better than dark-skinned Arabs. And dark-skinned Arabs think they are better than Wolof or Africans. Africans think they are better than Arabs. <laughs> it's just like that. And there is always, always argument about that. Even between Arabs, I'm better tribe than you. My tribe is better than your tribe. My family is better than your family. I'm a, and at school, they tell you lots of values, like people should be unique. The religion tell you that you should, people should be unique, should be the same, good person or bad person. That's it. But you shouldn't evaluate people depending on their tribes or in, on their thing. But at the family, when you grow up, when you're a kid, your family tell you that you should not hang out with people from a lower tribe. That's not a good thing, boy. <laughs> you should hang out with someone that is from a good tribe like yours. And everyone thinks that his tribe is a good tribe. Ah, it's, it's a very complicated thing. You would not understand it if you're not from Mauritania. But what I hate the most, it's also, there's no Mauritania. There's no value for the country, for the, your loyalty to your country. Your loyalty is to your family, to your tribe, to the people, that you, your small community, you know what I mean? And you forgot about the country. So, slavery, yes. When we talk about slavery, because the dark-skinned Arabs, they have the same amount of tribes as the Arabs. But before, in the past, the dark-skinned Arabs, they used to be slaves for the Arabs. So when they introduced themselves, the person introduced himself like, I'm a slave to tribe A or tribe B. Now, today, when he introduced himself, he's gonna say, I'm from tribe A or tribe B. But he himself and the person that he introduced himself to know that he mean, I'm a slave to 
tribe A or tribe B because this is how it was and we don't mention it now but we know it it's history everybody know about it and the Arabs also used to have singers and some people that craft makers and people that make weapons and make crafts and traditional stuff they use and they was a lower uh, something in in the bottom there <laughs> anyway I hate all that but it's the truth right now everybody knows everybody you're from a family the family is from a tribe and the tribe think they are the best and then uh, there is dark-skinned people from the same tribe as you so you think they steal your slaves but they are not you know what I mean it's a very sad thing there's no Indian I always dream about the Mauritania where people at least in the neighborhood they can meet something today we're gonna discuss about having a football feed for the kids where they can play or a small garden or something useful you know what I mean but nobody cares about the country everybody cares about himself and his family and his tribe and this is how it is it's a small systems small and if you are from a lower family or tribe or you screw up you should just kill yourself you cannot get anything you cannot do anything so what you can do you just live with that lots of hate you grow up on lots of hate your community asks you to hate some people that you never met like you should hate everybody you are afraid of change you should not mix with people Mauritanians doesn't mix with people when you graduate and you're going to study abroad everybody comes to say like you go to your school you come back don't talk with someone even when I when I was kid they can judge you on a on a haircut they can judge you for nothing and this is the thing that I hate it's not about religion we're not so protective because of religion because Mauritania is like every country we do the same you can have a girlfriend you can hook up with a girl you can you can do whatever you want but secretly what I hate the most it's people do the same cue secretly so and then they come and criticize you for doing that secretly <laughs> you know what I mean I hate I hate that they just criticize everything it's a mess but also it's a very nice country I just hope that it can unite one day and forget about tribes forget about types and colors and all that and think about being a Mauritanian that's it I never ask anyone about his tribe or which tribe you're from no that's a very lower than mine <laughs> anyway women's have a lot of problems not now there's some educated people now women's but it's very difficult for them when a woman go to school she must to take a transportation but when she take a transportation if she doesn't have a car to take her there she must take a taxi or a bus when she take a taxi because the taxi get four people at least sometimes we make it six <laughs> she must to touch uh, the person next to her and if it's a man that's a problem so there's lots of small things that stopping women from being educated <sighs> I think I cannot explain it all it's very difficult everybody's black there but the African Arabs call themselves white 
is strange because if they were profiled out here, out in Europe, they'll be in the black box. So it's fucked up. But the darker skinned people, they're often sort of descendants maybe of Senegalese countries where they're quite dark there. It's beautiful color. In my opinion, it's gorgeous because they've got gorgeous bone structure chiseled out of stone for me. You know, that's how they look to me. But anyway, these people are dark. So they're really dark. Yeah, when it's nighttime, you could even miss them, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's actually cool in itself. You can sort of creep around in the dark without being seen. So the people of darker complexion are essentially the servants and slaves to the African Arabs who are a different complexion. They're Arabic, African Arab complexion, you know, Moroccans, Egyptian, that color, yeah? Nonetheless, the whole thing is Africa. But anyway, that doesn't matter. They believe that they are born into that role of being servants due to religion, due to culture. No, they can't change it. And the thing is, they might be unhappy, but they will still serve their role because they believe that this is the path that was laid out for them. This is how things are meant to be for them. And it was heartbreaking because this is the one world, okay? But scraping into Africa, one continent, one country, yeah? Everybody's born there. But then to see that divide like that, it's absolutely heartbreaking for me. It's legal there, you know? I think it's the one country in the world that servant slavery like that is 100% legal. So you see it and seeing it made me sick. Now, coming back to me, I'm black. I'm not that dark. I'm not dark like that. But I also am not an Arabic black color. I'm not an Egyptian color, Moroccan color. So I'm somewhere in between. And that's very confusing for them. So the way they'd look at me was with total, utter confusion. They didn't understand what I was. Was I half and half? Was I just light for, you know, a Senegalese type of dark color? What was I? One thing I wasn't was one of them. So the treatment I got was very bizarre. The way that people looked at me was with confusion and then also with distaste. They were kind of not disgusted at me, but just distasteful. I would walk into shops and they'd take my money. They'd ask me for more. They'd, they'd show me around. Oh, we've got this and we've got that for you. But when I came close, they would back away. It's like that. So that's the kind of treatment I got. But then you take my money. Mm. So I met a friend there. And this is a friend who's a photographer who's actually from there. And he showed me around. Oh, he's a he. And for me and him to be walking in the street together... Unless we're married, it is not allowed. Unless he's my brother, I can't walk with a man, he can't walk with a woman. It would be very strange if I walked alone. What's wrong with her? Why is she alone? The interesting thing was taking taxis, because in that country, you get in a taxi and then like, it stops for strangers and then everybody kind of gets in. And then they drop off people and then people jump in, whatever. Now, a man and a woman can't sit next to each other so it's so awkward because you know you get in the taxi and then there's two women at the back and there's someone in the front already and a man comes in and he wants to sit you know he just wants to get in but he can't get in because he can't sit next to the woman because he doesn't know her and he's not married to her so what would have to happen is reshuffling everybody would have to get out of the taxi and we'd have to reshuffle the three women there at the back together and then the man's at the front alone 
or if it's not possible he wouldn't be able to take the ride or somebody would have to get out and you know it's just fucked up this is just a taxi ride just take me from A to B I don't care who I'm sitting next to I need to get to my destination I mean that's just one example of the bizarreness of the place another thing that I saw is I don't want to call it caste system because I don't think it's something like they have in India when it's literally how dark or how light you were because this is also religion based deep rooted in religion and it's also very manipulative I think just to be born into serving someone you know you're wiping someone's ass they're just throwing you a bone I think they're given scraps of food some food because the families need them there but they're not given money but they'll give them something like a tent and maybe you know some leftovers or something like that in my opinion it might be better for them in their mind as well to serve these families because where they live and where they're from maybe their children might go hungry it might work out better in their situation to do it in their mind because children might go hungry i mean mauritania is desert so it's very unbearable climate it's very very hot and things don't grow there things i was asking for like veggies fruit they're like mm, very limited it's probably difficult for these families that live in the village of the desert deep into the desert to nourish their children so i think just even a few scraps that's something in terms of payment from what i was told there's no payment over there it's just sort of food bases or something like that or maybe we give you the tent so you got shelter or something like that but yeah so the date came when i was supposed to leave the country i'd had enough i was tired of not being free i wasn't free i couldn't wear what i wanted i couldn't say what i wanted i couldn't act how i wanted you can't wear colors there right now i'm wearing a marv hoodie <laughs> you cannot wear colors there Everything is one colour. You, as a man, have to cut your hair in a very particular way. It has to be one cut. There's no such thing as getting a style, growing it, shaving it completely off. You have to have it in this particular cut. You cannot look different. Alternative is a crime there. If you're different, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with you. Police will stop you in the street. Like, what's wrong with you? If you have piercings, whoa, it's just not on. It's very, very interesting because in this country as well, depending on where you're born, you have to stay within that field. So people born in one village that are known for being the singers and the musicians, they are the singers and the musicians for Mauritania. You could have a golden voice and be from the village where there's craftsmen and craftswomen, but you cannot be a singer because you are not from that village. So they wear their Arabic, they're Muslim, so they're wearing the long robes. I don't know the official name, and the women are wearing black, and it's hot. It's like a costume because there's no individual identity over there. If you try to wear something different, that means that you are immodest. You can't get arrested for it, but people will look at you in a funny way. If you're a Mauritanian, you won't do it unless you're a black Mauritanian. You see the clear difference. The black Mauritanians wear what they want. I mean, not all of them are tent people. Some of them maybe opened up their own shops in certain neighborhoods. Some. But unless you're black, because that's what they call it. And if you're not white, even though they're not white, you can wear what you want. They were wearing what they wanted. Color, t-shirts, styling their hair how they wanted, growing it out, whatever. They were doing what they want, but that's how you can tell the difference. I mean, you can tell the difference anyway by skin color, but for the Arab Mauritanians, 
they think that's immodest and that's beneath them. It's really, really interesting. So I heard this story about this Mauritanian girl. She was born there and she was born like the higher Mauritanians, the respectable Mauritanian. But, you know, her passion was acting and being in entertainment. So she got this job as a model and a news presenter in another country. So she got this job and then her face was on one of the billboards for an ad there. And I said to my friend, well, surely people respect her. He said, no way. She is utterly disrespected here. Even though she's born here, even though she's making millions, even though she's this, even though she's probably above everybody else in the capital combined in terms of her income, she's immodest. She's not respectable. For example, anything creative like photographers, that kind of field, it's looked down upon. There's nothing like that because you're branching out. You're becoming an individual. You're becoming independent. And that is not the way of Mauritania. Nobody supports her, but okay, you've got a culture where you can't be seen with women as a man. You can't be with a woman unless you're going to marry her. So you've got this repressed culture and that leaks into sexual desires, repressed sexual desires. So you see a woman on the billboard and she was just smiling as well. Nothing revealing, not like here, for example, with those bikini shots or just covering your bits with your arms or something like that or with pineapples or something. <laughs> Nothing like that. Just a smile. But to them, I think internally, that sparks desire, sparks passion, which I think they project it as also as hate. Another thing I found strange in general about cultures that do that is men often hold hands and men, you know, kiss from cheek to cheek because they show their affection through each other because they're allowed to be with each other a lot. Now, I've been saying in West Hollywood, if I see guys sort of holding hands, kissing cheeks, I'm just like, oh, they're a couple, right? But out there, I voice that. If you came to London, people might think you're gay or something like that, or you're bi or whatever, or you're into men. Whoa, no way. Da, 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 da. So that's a very interesting aspect of it. I guess it is because they are showing affection because they can't have girlfriends, they can't have dates, they can't have flings. Modern day situations, let's say, that we into. Oftentimes it's arranged. So, for example, a black Mauritanian could not marry a white Mauritanian. No way. No way. No, no, no. I'm just looking for comments from that thing because I've got some comments from people that were from Mauritania who were commenting on the experience over there because it ended really badly and I'm going to get to that. So the concept of being an independent thinker, the concept of thinking critically is very frowned upon over there and these are concepts that I readily embrace. I love being able to think critically. I love being independent. I love doing what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want. My life is built that way. And I wrote this on my Instagram and I'm just gonna read it. And you can check it out on my Instagram. It's on, it's on the photo where two or three Mauritanian kids are jumping from the roof. It's a really nice photograph. And this is what I wrote. The most fun freedom of expression I've seen in this country was of these kids jumping from the roof. That was the most fun and freedom I've seen in that country. Lucky kids. I've been to many holes in my life, but none as bad as Mauritania. Can I live? No, not unless you follow a list of fucked up terms and conditions. I experienced the most ignorant, twisted, boxed up society where slavery is still acceptable. It was horrible to witness, as this is black on black slavery. Lighter, Arab skins versus darker black skins. But all black, all African, all one, right? You see darker black families camping, living outside of their master's homes. It's uncomfortable and messy. And by the way, I'm black. 
It's no wonder that I'll never go back. Never. So many awful things happened. But the worst, and this is what I'm going to talk to you about, the worst was when I left to fly out the country and they denied me boarding. I booked my ticket to London because I really had enough of just seeing it. I mean, I wasn't attacked verbally. I wasn't beaten. I wasn't pushed down or anything like that. But it was just what I was witnessing. It was so uncomfortable. It was so inhumane. There was just no social justice over there. There was no community effort just to be one, be human, be kind to one another. There was none of that. There was no freedom of expression. I mean, what? Okay, so what happened was the airline denied me boarding. The airline employee was a fascist, extremist, sexist, racist pig. He said that I was nothing. He looked at me and said, you are nothing. Looked down on me because he was taller than me. Looked at me, looked at my passport, looked at me again. I said, you're nothing, nothing at all. You are nothing. I know that my passport has seen better days because remember I told you before, I dropped my passport into the water. And I didn't even drop my passport into the water. My passport was just floating in the water between Senegal and Mauritania and it got soaking wet. So the pages of my passport now, it's dry now but it's very very rumpled it looks fucked up but my passport's also biometric so i've been to about 20 countries since you just scan it through and my details pop up on your screen right my passport's fine in terms of the chips or whatever's inside there it just looks fucked up the exterior is ugly i walked into the airport i was so happy to leave i've never been happy to leave country as i've been happy to leave mauritania i booked my flight to london and i was just happy to be around family and friends and just in an environment that i know and that i love and i was dressed modestly i was wearing a black shirt and black jeans i was pretty much covered up only thing is i didn't take out my piercing but that was fine i mean i was on my way home he used my passport as an excuse eventually but for about an hour and i arrived two hours early he was you're not getting on the plane you're not getting on the plane i started kicking up a fuss i flipped my lid and i was why let me on my passport's fine you can call i've got the visa right here why would they let me through into the country if my passport's not okay so i was kicking up a huge huge fuss huge i was storming about the place let me speak to someone he was the manager so i wanted to speak to someone else i walked straight in and i went to passport patrol in the airport passport control because he was just an airline employee he wasn't the person that checks your passport he checked your ticket but he wanted to check my passport because he was an arsehole that day or probably every day so i went to the border police passport police check my passport tell me that it's okay they said it's fine they said we would let you go but he doesn't want to let you go the airline employee didn't want to let me go this has been to airlines and they're a spanish owned company but they just happened to do flights into mauritania but the way i was talking back to him was unacceptable i walked in and i think my shirt was unbuttoned just a little bit just the top two but it wasn't revealing no cleavage or anything like that but that's just the way my shirt is there was no buttons on the top two a little bit open i've got a chest tattoo and it's you know a little bit <laughs> la kind of style barcelona kind of yeah <laughs> so i saw him looking at me and he looked at me up and down and then where are you from dad i'm from london I said, Duh. no no where's your dad from where's your mum from because for them it doesn't stop there technically he's asking why am i black so i said it okay my grandmother's from nigeria my dad's from ghana so i'm african too hey i'm african too buddy buddy no because he's a mauritanian man women cannot travel alone women cannot be alone like that the style i had it wasn't anything outlandish really i was covering up it wasn't acceptable he was being an asshole that day and he didn't want to let me board my flight. And when I started protesting, because I started protesting really quickly as well, maybe that was my fault. I didn't have patience to calmly talk about the situation. I was just fuming. 
because I just had enough. I just wanted to go back to London. I'd spent 350 euros on a one-way ticket, which that's a lot for a one-way ticket for me for that kind of distance. I mean, I could go to Cape Verde, which is islands off of Africa for 30 pounds. So I'm spending 350 quid on a ticket. That's a big ticket for me, especially at that time. And he was like, no, 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 no. So I'm standing there not knowing what to do. I'm talking to the border officials, the ones who look at your passport, and they're like, it's fine. So I called the British Embassy, and they were all right, we're going to see what we can do, but if your flight's in the next hour, we might not be able to do anything about it because it's way too soon. And it was also like a weird day, like a Sunday or something like that. So that was no help. So I was waiting there, and he was just looking at me up and down, just saying things in his language to me, saying probably just vulgar comments. I despise you, you're gross you're disgusting shame on you how can you walk in like this i was saying fucking this a lot like fucking let me on a fucking flight and da, 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 da. now i know that's overboard but that's how i was feeling at the time so he cast me aside and this was the first time that i felt pure hatred the purest form of hatred towards me because basically he didn't want to let me move he didn't want to let me progress he knew everything was fine passport's fine tickets there everything's there i've got the visa and that visa is a pretty big visa it takes up one whole page they took a picture of me and it's in my passport and stuff like that it's all official he just didn't want me to go forward he wanted to make life hard for me Uh, yeah, that was the first time. And this is the reason why I said in the last recording that I changed because that was the first time I ever felt these emotions. I was shaking inside. I didn't want to stay in that country any longer. And he just did it because of spite. So I didn't board my flight. And I wanted to leave the country because I was on a kind of time thing because a week later I had a flight to Mexico. I wanted to be in London. I just wanted to get out. I didn't board my flight. So what I had to do was remember that most corrupt African border I crossed. I had to take a six hour journey in a micro bus. There was a chicken under my seat, stinking, full of angry people, always breaking down, checkpoints everywhere, squashed up six hours back to the Mauritania Senegal border to cross it because I needed to get to Senegal then. I could have gone north through Western Sahara and Morocco, but I didn't take that route just because I hadn't been to Western Sahara before and I didn't want to go through anything unknown again. I just wanted to go back to what I know. I mean, I know this border is pretty fucked up, but at least I've done it before and I know how to do it again. So I got to the border and it was against time because the border closed at six o'clock. I mean, I can't control how fast the microbus driver was driving and it was closed and it was dark and you know, border town are just grimy <laughs> it's like the asshole of the country it's just grim shady characters people trying to swindle money out of everybody but everyone selling the clothes off their back trying to cross the border so i got there and it was closed and then there was these guys well we can take you across the border if you pay us the equivalent maybe 20 pounds or something like that they'll just come up to you because they know that you missed the you missed the border they're like hey you're trying to cross the border you're trying to get to senegal yeah like, yeah okay well you know there's boats going we can take you all you need to do is pay this and that we're just going to go through the swamp and through the this you're going to get a bit wet swim a bit they might be police there they might have guns if you get caught it's not on me that kind of thing basically crossing illegally i could have done it i could have done it and i've done it before but <laughs> different border yeah but i didn't want to risk it I just wanted to get home properly. I didn't want any more hiccups. So I got this kind of border hotel, which was really bad. The things I was listening to at night, you know, the cries, the shouts, the banging, all of that. But 
they took care of me. I mean, I was in this really shitty room full of cockroaches. I could not sleep. I just felt like they were all on me. Even though I saw them on the walls, I was like, nah, they're on me. And the mosquitoes there, there's too many. It was just a very uncomfortable situation. And also with all of this noise going outside, and I know what kind of place I am when there's a lot of people just thieves and the asshole of a place attracting the assholes type of people. I'm talking about loud crashes, loud cries, screams, banging. I don't know what, what it is. I heard loud cries today, but it was just a peacock. So <laughs> I don't know what it was. Howls from animals, just carts being thrown and pushed about. It was just unnerving. It was really unnerving. So the lock on my door wasn't working. I was probably the only guest in this place and I did not sleep. I couldn't sleep. I felt like they took care of me because they brought me up food and they would kind of check up on me, ask me if I want water, show me around everything. They were nice. They were really nice. I wouldn't recommend anybody to stay there, but nothing happened to me. So the next morning, woke up and I crossed the border. But after that experience I had at the airport and in that country, I don't fucking trust anyone here. So I just walked out. I didn't bother with the showers because those were totally gross. There was no shower. It's like bucket bath, basically. But the water's brown with mosquitoes floating in it, upside down cockroaches who tried to live, but they didn't. So I'm not about to take that kind of bath. So I crossed the border and I was the first person in line. So that all went smooth, surprisingly smooth. I had to pay again for the malaria thing, for the medical thing, but wherever I paid it and I crossed into Senegal. Now, the feeling I got when I was away from all of the Senegalese border officials and when I was just in Senegal, like just 20 feet past the border was probably the happiest feeling, the most calming feeling, the most elated I'd felt in a long, long long time. It was such a relief. I was smiling again. I had this beam on my face and it wasn't over. I still had to get to Dakar, which was six hours away. I still had to go to the airport. I still had to get my ticket. I still had to go back to London, but I knew that everything was okay from then because Senegal is a very, very dope country. It's such a cool country. One of my favorite places in West Africa is Senegal. I was just, oh my gosh, <laughs> that feeling of just being relieved. It was relief on another level. So then I got to Dakar. In those countries, you get in these shared taxis, the sort of seven-seater cars, old-school Mercedes or something like that, but proper beaten up. And you get in and you're squashed. They squash everybody. <laughs> if 20 people can fit in, they fit in. You pay your fare and you just go. And it's pretty cool because on that journey, I had pretty cool people with me. There was some young couples, uh, Senegalese, there was some this and that. So it was nice. It was a really pleasant journey. Got to Dakar. I got out and I was still, my journey was still wasn't finished because where the shared taxi drops you is kind of nearly the outskirts, so you need to get in. I wasn't about to take taxi because they absolutely rip me off anyway when I take normal taxis in Dakar. So I took the local buses, so I wasn't done yet. I took the local bus and when I got on the local bus, I just felt so happy again because Senegalese people are full of joy, laughing. When they laugh, they're clapping their hands. Whoa, they scream. <laughs> Crazy, you know, just full of joy full of smiles and everything like that. Vibrant colours, African dresses. I saw no colours in Mauritania. So I go to Senegal and they're wearing their yellows, their greens, their reds, their pinks, their blues. Pow! A lot. Have you ever seen those traditional African dresses? 
There's like dancing with colours, mate. Colours are just, you know, just all there popping. So I'm there like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm nearly shaking because I just couldn't handle how good I was feeling. And then I went to the beach in Dakar. Amazing again. You know, I sat at this bar, I grabbed a beer and I'm just sitting there, just exhaling. Wow. <laughs> wow. And in Dakar, yeah, I went to the airport everything's fine bought another ticket for 350 i lost about 800 because i had to pay for my fare and the hotel and i bought another ticket and just normal airport biometric passport they didn't even ask me a single question why my passport was so fucked up because it scans and whatever got on the plane got back to london and yeah that was that so mauritania i wouldn't go back willingly i would be kicking and screaming if someone made me go back to Mauritania. It's horrifying there. It's really horrifying. Most people fly over this country. There's a lot of people, there's something called the Paris to Dakar rally, where people ride motorbikes from Paris all the way to Dakar in Senegal. So you have to ride from Mauritania, but they just ride through. And so I'm reading the comments on the Instagram because some people commented who were from there. But, you know, people are saying things like fascism up close and personal. Thank goodness you made it. <laughs> the world is full of assholes like him. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to meet another asshole like that. There's this girl who said, I live pretty close to the Mauritanian border of Matam, Senegal myself. My best friend is from a village right on the other side of Matam. And I have no interest of crossing that border. No interest of seeing your best friend. <laughs> Glad you made it. Another person said something like this. I don't think this person went there. Oh, so this person is close to the Gambian and Senegalese culture. So they're not from Mauritania. But uh, she said, the way you describe your adventure, I can totally feel your anger. When you know you're right and people are trying to stop you because of what you represent. My family originally comes from Mauritania, but I've never been there and I don't think I'm going to go there. And I hope I didn't make this person think they don't want to go there. But um, even people from there who have had a taste of somewhere else don't go back. Because once you get there, you're repressed. It's hard. I've never experienced things like racism and oh, people might hate me for saying this because racism is everywhere and fascism is everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Fair enough, but I've never actually been penetrated by racism. I've never experienced it in the countries I go to. If like, I've been like in countries like Mongolia, I was definitely the only person like me around. But they weren't being racist to me. They were more curious. They weren't venting anger towards me. They weren't looking at me like I was a piece of shit. They were just more curious. And this is what I get when I travel. Just curiosity. Never, ever, ever discrimination or anything like that. So it was the first time I experienced that. I would never forget it. And it definitely shaped me because I felt the emotion for the first time of sort of despair. I didn't have a chance. I just felt like I was, for the first time, put in a box, misrepresented and spat on. And no one's ever spat on me like physically and that's gross but I made it and I wouldn't go back like I said because you know it's just not a place I would go back to but I don't want to discourage people from going there <laughs> no do you know what because that's why I went there in the first place I have friends that had been there doing the rally on their motorbikes and stuff and they were to me Selena don't go don't go don't go what of course I'm going I'm gonna see every country in the world so I'm gonna go to Mauritania what's the worst that can happen <laughs> oh, and I saw. So, yeah, that's, um, that's Mauritania. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my experience in Mauritania. 
it actually is a really exclusive experience. I've never actually experienced anything like this, you know, from the border to to the airlines, been to airlines denying me denying me boarding, having to go back. You know, I've, I've never experienced such a traumatic traumatic trip in my life before and you know I'm spanning over you know plenty of countries across the world this is just the one sort of golden nugget (laughs) not so golden that um, that has occurred so I hope this doesn't discourage anybody from crossing borders or from traveling in Mauritania because your experience could be different to mine that this was my experience and this did really happen this year anyway thank you so much for tuning in again i really 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 do appreciate it and if you do like it remember just to leave a comment you know show me some love you can head over to the website as well where you can read my experience at selinasky.com you can read the experience on Mauritania that i wrote and yeah shout me out on instagram shout me out on twitter i'll be sure to get back to you if you have any questions Thanks for listening and subscribe to tune into the next podcast.